Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, work, Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, what's going on, people? Welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Hoop. I am your host, Coach Mabel's a.k.a. J. Mabes here. My bro, it's Kings, bro. Kings, what's going on with you, man? Uh man, just hanging in there. Hanging in Kings. there. I saw, I saw you on a timeline today trying to, uh, you know, defending, defending the honor of Dennis Schroeder, man. You know, they, they came at you. <laughs> it was uh, funny. We spent all morning talking about his contract, then he put up a stinker against the Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> right on schedule. Uh, oh, man. And, you know, all the crazy takes always come out off a bad game, you know, like, you know, nobody posted his numbers the past, like, 10 or so games, you know, nobody cared, but, you know, the one bad game after the Drew Holiday contract, right? all of a sudden, everybody feeling the pressures, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, yeah, we, we definitely going to get into that later, because I think that, that those, that's going to send ripples through the entire league, that that, that deal. Um, absolutely. First off, we got to start with, with the big issue on Laker Twitter this past week. It's in Laker land in general. The um, Marcus saw Andre Drummond issue. So this, uh, the Drummond thing, I don't think people expected when Drummond played to completely axe Mark out of the rotation. But that first game, Mark didn't play but uh, cleanup minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks, game the, uh, the Lakers lost. Uh, ironically enough, Mark played well enough in that game to kind of spark a run. And he put yeah. the, the stars back in. So I think everybody, they, they weren't against Drummond. They were against Drummond axing out Marcus Hall, which is right. what happened in game one. It kind of kind of has me worried going forward. And then on top of that, uh, Mark hadn't spoken with the media uh, since they assigned Andre Drummond. He finally came out and spoke and said that it, it was just honestly tough for him because it was he knew he was going to leave the rotation at some point. And that, that worried me a little bit because um, I think it's a way for them to both play, especially as long as AD is out. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this on this whole situation as far as it's going forward? It, it's a little weird now because uh, Drummond's toenail ripped off. He's missed two games. He should be back mm-hmm. the next one. I said it was two games max. We should be back the next one. But what are your thoughts in general about the, the Andre Drummond, uh, Marcus Saul, you know, seesaw here, this whole situation? 
Uh, yeah, man. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. The data and, you know, the film shows that Marcus Gasol is a more impactful player than Andre Drummond. Let's just keep it simple. I mean, it's it's really, really, you know, really to say otherwise is just to really go against film and to go against analytics. It's like you're literally just taking raw counting stats and <laughs> right. because he averages 17 points as a seven-foot big man on 47%, for, less than 50%, and he's shooting at the rim. Let's keep that in mind. He averages 17 points on 47% and 13 rebounds. That automatically means he's better than somebody mm-hmm. who has anchored, helped anchor as the five, the best defensive unit in basketball, despite AD and LeBron missing games. There was a stat that said since LeBron went down with his injury, the Lakers were the number three defense in basketball. Number three. Yeah. Number three. And today, even though they lost by double digits, we only gave up 104 to one of the best offenses in basketball who had both their superstars or stars playing today. So I don't know what to tell anybody. <laughs> you just you just literally a casual that needs to see somebody who's athletic and think because someone's athletic and big that they can play defense. That's literally just what you think defense means at, at this point. So there's no world where Gasol should be benched for Andre Drummond, but here's what I've realized and what I've come to understand and what people are letting slide under the rug yet again. The reason Andre Drummond is even on this team is simply because Anthony Davis doesn't want to box out. Yeah, I remember you told you box out, you break that. <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. Why else do you think in the beginning of the year we were going through games and we're like, why does Anthony Davis have three rebounds right now? <laughs> What is Andre Drummond's best trait? What is the one thing Gasol doesn't do well? Oh, he's going to rebound. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like when you put when you when you put when you look at all these factors and you look at what rebounding and boxing out does to the body and how Anthony Davis is built and how Anthony Davis has wanted to play his whole career, you start to realize why he's pushing so hard for them to sign Andre, Andre Drummond and why they've been pushing so hard to get another quote-unquote athletic five because they missed the rebounding and boxing out that Dwight Howard and McGee were providing from the five spot. Yeah. Allowed AD to play more of a finesse game, which he wants to play. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Now – That's so funny to me. That, that, that's so funny to me because Anthony Davis – like he's the best defensive player in basketball, and he's locked in. But he doesn't want wants to play for Nets on offense. That's so weird to me, because I'm seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, when you think about it, you look how frail his body is, and you look how much energy it takes to play defense. I understand, I understand the logic of what he's going through in his head. It's like, man, especially if I'm going to go through a deep playoff run, I'm not trying to put this much pressure on myself through the regular season and all that. I get that. Uh, this plays into the whole legacy talks and comparing to all-time greats. You know, we're not going to get into that. We already did that. But I get his approach for why he wants to preserve his body. However, 
you know, it does kind of hold the Lakers back because they're doing things where on paper they shouldn't be doing. But for right. the sake of the 16-game season, they need to do because they need Anthony Davis to be 100% and locked in for the 16-game season because that's the most important for them. So is there a place for Andre Drummond Lakers? Absolutely, because like I told people, we don't rebound well. And, you know, Andre Drummond will eat minutes and put body on folks that will preserve everybody else's leg. You'll also keep Marcus all healthy for the 16-game run because he won't play as much minutes. But the idea that Gasol should be out of the rotation is just so ridiculous. I just don't even want it. I didn't want to entertain it until it almost happened in the first game drumming yeah. break. <laughs> and hopefully since then with the victory over the Kings, well, how Gasol even looked today against the Clippers and how Gasol looked in those small spurts against the Bucks, and what Vogel saying, hopefully – it's not just talking because it's obvious to everyone that Gasol is impactful. Like, it's literally just obvious. Right. Like, Gasol has made it obvious at this point with how he's played since Drummond has signed that he is an impactful player because not everybody's watching him more closely and he's performing even better, which is good because that's what you want for somebody who you're going to want to rely on in the high-pressure moments in the playoffs. So it's like, look, Gasol needs to be in a rotation. Somehow, some way, he needs to get minutes. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Right. And that's a good segue. I saw you mentioned the reason for Andre Drummond a few minutes ago. You just mentioned the, the reason was because AD doesn't like the box out. And that's a good segue to, to the next thing I want to discuss here before we get on. Are you wor- at all worried about this is the status of AD today? Frank said he's still a ways away. Uh, I believe this week will mark seven weeks since the, the original aggravation of the injury. Uh, as I said this before, it's getting a little worrisome, but I, I, on the other end, I, I 100% understand the playing a conservative because that Achilles air, uh, area, you mess around, it'll cost you two years instead of, you know, a few months, right? So are you at all getting a little worried about this timetable here between, you know, trying to get some games in and ramp it up before the games get high leverage? Because – I look at the where the standings are. You're talking about possibly the Lakers getting you know a five six seed, and you pick pulling possibly a, you know a Denver or a Clippers or a Phoenix in the first round. Which you know, I I I pick the Lakers regardless if they're healthy, but those those aren't any easy series by any means, right? So where are you with? Are you worried at all? Is it starting to move you at all? The the you know lack of clarity about a timetable for AD. Um. It, 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 it kind of concerns me that, yeah, they're not being up front at the time t- timeline, the timetable. Right. That's um, There's no, no clarity. Kinda, like a... I, I honestly feel like we would have had – they would have been more of a push kind of had they not won any of those three games that they won. I feel like there would have been more of a push to give a timetable. But because they feel like – 
they can just win the playing any playing game or end up as a six seed in the last ten games or so. I feel like they're not trying to rush anything now, and they're trying to really try to make it um, full health, um, make him come back full health. Uh, I don't know what they mean. Like I don't know what they mean by ways away. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Oh, is it his actual foot that's healed? But like they're just trying to make sure he's ramped up and he's in shape. Like, there's a ways away, me. Exactly. There's no clarity. Why asking, yeah. Why are we asking the coach this question? Like, should we gain updates from the doctors? Like, you know what I mean? They're the ones who are looking at his leg, you know? It's just, it's just very, just very weird and concerning in terms of where they have the team right now. Um, I'm also very concerned with what Rob is doing and kind of with that last <laughs> buyout with McKinney. Like, from what I've been told, you can waive McKinney and have two spots because his contract I don't think is guaranteed right now. So you can waive him and have space to sign two vet men's. And looking at our guard play, I don't know why they haven't brought in a Rivers or, you know, or Dion, or maybe they're waiting on, like, you know, if Macmore gets waived, for example, and they don't sign Macmore, I just really just don't know what they're doing with that with that spot because it's like we need offensive sparks, more shooting, and it's like, like, really, they're, they're what they their biggest, you know, in-season move was signing somebody they didn't really need. And then that goes to the next point. How much, how useful is Andre Drummond if AD's going to play like 10 games before the playoffs? Right. <laughs> like, like, how useful, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess he's useful in the sense that you needed him until AD came back. Okay, I can see that. But, like, you know what I mean? It's just, like, then you fumbled the, at the deadline, trade deadline. Like, it's just a lot of uncertainty that's going on right now with what they're doing. But, you know, that's the league in general because you can yeah, look around this, the league. Especially this year, maybe a little more wonky with the condensed season. You just – teams kind of just trying I mean, to survive. I mean, you look at Giannis. The dude was holding his knee and he was still playing. Like, <laughs> doing that. Like, that's your franchise player. Like, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, Harden was playing 40-something minutes and it finally caught up to them, hurt his hamstring. You know, now who knows how long he'll be out. Because KD's hamstring had him signed by for how many games? Yeah, they said. Yeah, I mean, last, last week they said if it was playoffs, he would be playing. They're just taking it slow right now. Right. But you see what I'm saying? But yeah. but you see what I'm saying? Like, he'd be playing, but he'd be playing compromised, right? Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So, it's like, he's definitely hurt. Now Harden has a hand because he's played so many minutes. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the whole league is in disarray with this COVID stuff. So, I guess I understand what they're doing because at the end of the day, it's really just going to come down to who's available. Um, I'm of the mindset that LeBron will be back in four weeks because that's just how he plays. That's just how he is. He's not going to um, hold himself out. Uh, he's also getting around-the-clock treatment. So I'm of the mindset he'll be back in four in four or five weeks. So it'll be, what, four weeks? For LeBron, it'll be, uh, it'll be four weeks, two weeks from now? Yeah. And then uh, maybe a week, a week and a half. Somebody. I don't think it's not a full two weeks, maybe a week and a half. Yeah, so, you know, a week and a half or so, it'll be four weeks. So – you know, it, the Lakers are—they're going to get somebody back, and they're going to be able to get a, a good playoff seed. I don't think the seeding matters honestly because the West is just so tough yeah. that realistically, you're just—you're not going to avoid not playing good teams. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
it's real like realistically you you know if you're not the one seed or maybe the two seed you're going to be having to play good teams every round anyway so you know what I mean so so it's not really something to be concerned about it's just get healthy and win at this point for the Lakers I think that's their mindset to have yeah, my, my prediction was that the Lakers would drop to six in this slate. I think they will. I mean, the upcoming slate, uh, you got the Heat, who just, you know, beat the Warriors by a 1,000. Uh, <laughs> you follow that up with the Nets. The Knicks, depending on which team shows up, the good version, the bad version, they'll be decent. The Hornets, they're missing a lot of guys. That's winnable. Celtics going to be tough. They got full city. You got the Jazz. You got a Jazz back-to-back and the Mavericks back-to-back. And hopefully by then you got uh, you got LeBron back at least because that that that's right. a tough four games you know playing those teams back to back with the with the depth of the Jazz and this the caliber of star that you know Luca is is tough to win those going to be tough to win those games and then a month though they do finish with Lakers with the uh, Magic Wizards and Kings so those those are things you can end the in the month very well heading into May where it eases eases up a little bit so. You know, I'm looking forward to you know seeing how they seeing how they uh you know how they fight through all this. That should be interesting. I, I, the defense is good. I, I, you wish they had a little more creativity on offense. But Steve Jones says something uh, says something profound. I was like, you kind of have to give give him slack. It's like they're trying to run some motion stuff, but you have nobody you just don't respect offensively. It won't matter. Yeah. Gonna, they're just going to switch everything and stay silent and make you make a play at the end of the shot clock, which is kind of what happened with the Clippers. Like, okay. Who's going to beat us consistently here? And the Lakers just don't have anybody unless you got you know, Kuz on a hot night like Sacramento where he's uh, playing playing above himself for a minute. Yeah, I mean, I just don't even think they should be running anything much. I just think it should just be all downhill driving kick. Like, that's a lot the of pick and roll. Yeah, that's the type of players that they have. Like, that's why I don't understand. Like, why are we running DHOs with dudes who, who aren't off the you – know, off the bounce shooters, you know. Right. They aren't going to turn the corner. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's not it's it's stuff that it's, it's stuff that doesn't fit the personnel, and it has me concerned about who is designing this. You know what I mean? Like the DHOs were great with Avery Bradley, who um, who is somebody that you know it was able to hit that elbow mid range consistent action. You know, our best mid-range shooter is Dennis, so I don't know why he's not getting that elbow extended DHO. Like, all his DHOs are from the three-point line. Which, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense because his three is streaky, so why would you not have him do the Avery the Avery DHOs in the in the mid-range where he's actually a pretty, a pretty good shooter from the mid-range? So it's just yeah. stuff that, you know, it's just things that it's not understanding our personnel. Like, Trez shouldn't even be running DHOs anyway. He's a role guy. He's a role. He's a role guy. Yeah, he's a role guy. He's when he sets his DHO, he's not even looking to set a proper screen. He's trying to slip. Right. Like it's just things like that with the coaching staff. It's not on the same page with the the rocks they have now. But I mean, they're always going to have the the logic that they don't have their stars, so it's not going to matter. But then people are going to complain that we're not competing. So it's like I don't know to tell people if you want to compete, you got to maximize what's there. Exactly. That's the only way. I'm interested to see because you know I, I watched the the Rockets uh, Pelicans game. And I saw Avery Bradley uh, on the Rockets. Wondered if he gets bought. The buyout the buyout deadline is April 9th, so it's five mm-hmm. more days. I'm going to see if, if another vet or two gets released into the you know into the fray for guys to bargain with. I mean, I still Lakers pick up another guard who can kind of do a little bit off the dribble. 
in the probably I, I'm with you 100% either Rivers or McLemore would be a great add just to have it available to you in the playoffs. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, other big news that's uh, that happened today, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, gave Drew Holiday's extension four years, $160 million, 40 per yeah. year for, for Drew Holiday. He is playing. He seems to have recovered from having COVID earlier. He is having a great season. I think it's most, this is the most efficient season of his career thus far. Um, he is – I think he's going to give Milwaukee their best chance to win a championship that they've, that they've ever had, in my opinion. You know, the Nets might be too good at the end of the day, but this is their best chance, and I think he's going to be a big part of that. Um, first off, what are your thoughts on that deal and then the ripple effects it might have for, you know, your guy Dennis Schroeder coming up on the free agency who looks very smart now for not signing that extension and kind of waiting until the market set? Uh, yeah, I mean – he uh, drew a reset the market. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody's going to point to this bad game Dennis had and say, well, you know, they should, he's not worth, he's not worth this much money, but that, it literally doesn't matter what you think he's worth because, you know, you're not judged by bad games. You know what I mean? You're just the by whole body of work. the whole body of work, your career, your age. Dennis is 27. He's showing he can play good on-ball, on great on-ball defense. Off-ball team defense needs work, but, I mean, right now it's kind of hard to just judge off-ball when, you know, most of your best defensive guys is gone. I mean, <laughs> how great can the off-ball be when, you know, multiple guys are going to be out of position right now because we don't have – the right people in place, but uh, you know he's going to he's going to be good off ball. He's still scoring double digits. He's his assist numbers are still good. Now his shot, he's finding his shot. He's a solid player. I mean, he's a solid NBA player. Um, he's in the same tier as to me as Fred Van Fleet in terms of you know type of talent. Like it really just comes down to who who's who's paying. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> the thing with Drew Holiday was he it's thirty million guaranteed but in sentence for forty million. Yeah, that's the that, that that's right, the, that's that's the, the deal. The thing with Drew Holiday is the Bucks had to pay because they don't get free agents. So they're the team that has to hit on their draft picks, which they did with Giannis. Uh, is is was Middleton drafted by the Bucks or was he drafted by somebody else and traded? That? I can't. Middleton remember. was drafted. They hit on Dante. Dante was drafted. Yeah. So they 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 had made a couple good. Even Brogdon so, was drafted. He just wanted out. But you they, see, they, they lost Brogdon. You know what I'm saying? They lost Brogdon and then they replaced him with uh with a uh, Drew, who I would say is better than than Brogdon. You know, overall slightly. Um, but like I said, man. Uh, oh, Middleton was drafted by Detroit, by the way. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Season. So you get you trade when you trade, you hit on your trades, you hit on your draft with Giannis and Dante. You have to re-keep them because you know you're not going to get free agents, so you have no choice but to play to pay Drew. The Lakers, on the other hand, are different. They can definitely get any free agent that they want, but here's their problem: until LeBron retires. They don't have cap. He is hard cap. Yeah. Quality players. 
all their best they have is vet men's and the MLE. So Dennis agent knows this. <laughs> right. Dennis agent also knows if, you know, Dennis is consistent, they get to the playoffs, he has a good run, and he has to put some marquee games up defensively and offensively. He, they also know there will be a team that needs a two-way guard, Knicks, Bulls, Mavs, whoever, that will be interested in offering a pretty good contract because who are the available guards outside of Lonzo? Yeah, it's not everything. Everybody else is a, kind of a tier below uh, those two. Like, those are you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not much quality out there. And, you know, teams aren't going to be hoarding cap space uh, because I don't even think there's any free agents coming up the year after. You know what I mean? I think Bill, I think Bill's probably one of them, but it's it's all, all signs point to him resigning because nobody's leaving cap space open. Harden, who was, you know, gonna be up for an extension is obviously gonna resign with Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? And the T V deal is like still a few years away. So there's not much, you know, room for free agent hunting as of now. A lot of guys are locked in long term. You know what I'm saying? Uh, even though Curry hates his situation <laughs> you know, going to state, it's a bad situation there. You know, he's somebody who he he's riding for Golden State. You know, that's a place that feels like his home. Uh, a lot of people want him to raise hell and not sign the session. That's not just him. wishful. That's not him. That's wishful thinking. Bro. Yeah. That is really just, you're really just wishful thinking. We all know he wants to sign with the Warriors. So when you know these things, these guys have leverage. Right. <laughs> it's the reason why Kelly Oubre is seeking $20 million. It's the reason why Rashad Holmes is seeking $20 million. They understand it's not that much guys out right now, and there are teams with cash base that need to get guys. So with that understanding, yeah, he's turned down the session because it's like you can pit multiple offers against each other and get the highest bidder and get more, especially if you have uh, good playoff games. Like everybody's talking about he doesn't deserve this, he doesn't deserve this because of what he did against the Clippers on Sunday, April fourth, that won't matter if he has a great series in the Western Conference semis. Like nobody will care about April fourth. Yeah, right. I think he got he's he's one of those guys he got a chance to make himself a lot of money in the playoffs if he balls. Yeah, like nobody's gonna care about April fourth. You know what I mean? Like if you go to the finals and you're do you're a you're a rim you're a rim seeking missile against Brooklyn, against their switch off schemes, and you have a couple of those games like you had against MDA's Rockets with OKC, and you have a couple of those 30-point games against Brooklyn Nets, like, who's going to care about April 4th? You know what right. I mean? Like, these these things that people are saying right now don't matter because at the end of the day, we understand when the playoffs come or when the stars get back and he and there's marquee games that are put up, his, his value is going to go up. And there's not much competition he has in the off season. He knows this. That's why he said he's gonna sign in the off season. Yeah, I think and this yeah. Yeah, He's twenty seven, man. He's yeah. never been a free agent. He's never been a free agent. He got traded from Atlanta to OKC. You know what I'm saying? He got traded from OKC to LA. He wants the free agent experience and to get his first big contract. Like these are human beings, bro. They don't yeah. care about your fan loyalty, bro. They really just do not care. 
yeah, that's we, not the top of their list. I think we found it out with Gasol and and Dennis, you know, this this past couple of weeks about as far as the extension and then losing playing time. So I think we got that human element of the game uh, yeah. that that you were just speaking of. Uh, I think you know if if Drew's at you know he's got I think he's at thirty two with the with the, with with the uh, incentives to push it to forty possibly. I mean Dennis mm-hmm. is going to get twenty three, twenty four, twenty five in a season depending on who the suitor is. The Lakers, yeah. like I said, the Lakers have to decide if that's something they got to match. I say you do because the cap is eventually going to go up when everything gets back to normal, and then you got to you know even if it doesn't work out, you got to reset. You know, that's a tradable number at that. And it's, 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 li- it's large enough to get, you know, somebody in. If you want to get, you know, if you go big fish hunting and they choose the Lakers, you know, that's able, you're able to trade for somebody like that. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind Dennis at a, you know, at a four years, hundred million. I think, I think, I think that's fair based on, you know, the third best player on a contending team. That's, a, that's like the standard rate, you know, 25, 27 million. Yeah. And he's a two way, he's a legitimate two way guard. Right. You know exactly. plays both ends. He plays both ends, and, and, and as you said, he's on the same tier as Fred Van Fleet. I mean, Fred Van Fleet's making $21 million a year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, like fans are, just don't understand the business, and a lot of fans don't understand basketball and cap. There's just a lot of just multiple things that people don't understand coming together when they say these type of things of who deserves what and who should get paid what based on how they're performing. It's just not like Dennis is literally one of the only few people who can stay consistent without the stars on the right. team. You know what I mean? So he's he, like he, a, he gets to the cup. He's a legitimate NBA player in the NBA who's who's a who's a serviceable starter. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I think a lot of people have to understand too with the shooting and with the offense. Our offense isn't guard friendly. You know what I'm saying? It's not. Like, it's not. When, when, when he was with um, when he was with Bud and Holzer. In that spaced out Atlanta offense, you saw a lot of you know bigger exp- uh, games when he was with uh, you know Donovan with the CP3 SGA again another more spaced out offense in terms of you know principles offensive principles he was getting 19 a night I mean granted he was a six man but he was getting 19 a night you know what I'm saying playing in a more free off flowing offense like our offense is not good on guards Danny Green. Look at his percentages before he came and after. You know what I'm saying? Look at what West was before he came. You know what I mean? Look at what Avery Bradley was shooting from three, you know, before he showed up. You know what I'm saying? Look at Troy Daniels. You know what I mean? Like, we're just not friendly for guards <laughs> and shooting. As I like, said, you, they said, you trade, you trade, you trade with somebody, take 10% off their shooting percentage. <laughs> look at, I mean, look at Reggie Bullock. Look what he was doing before when he got here, and now look what he's doing for the Knicks. Right. You know what I mean? Like, these are just, like, it's just the reality of the situation. Guards don't shoot well when they're on the Lakers for whatever reasons where they're not shooting well. And Vogel's system is even worse. You have to defend. So it makes them even more tired. So we're not a friendly offense. So even though, even with that said, he still find ways to be impactful and to, to make, you know, to make our offense just have some type of stability People are saying they're disappointed in how he's been. But for me, it's like, how can you be disappointed unless you thought he was a star? He's not a star player. You know what I mean? And maybe this is from people who haven't watched Dennis Schroeder till like, last year or this year. But, like, he's never been a star player. You know what I mean? He's just a quality NBA role player. Right. Who's going to get consistent numbers. He's going to do certain things consistently. 
and that's what he does. So that's that's all there is to it. Right. And I think people just they don't understand inflation. So role players are used to getting like fourteen, fifteen, and understand what the rising cap that fourteen, fifteen is now twenty, twenty one, twenty two. So and it's the Kenny same company. is looking for twenty million a exactly. year. Exactly. He might get it. Right. Like, I don't know what to tell people, man. <laughs> right. Ubre is having a you know a, a wonky year. He still might get it. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Moving on to college now, we just saw, in my opinion, one of the best college games I, I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had been a rough, you know, rough tourney as far as, you know, watching some of the games. But uh, Gonzaga, excuse me, Gonzaga and UCLA put on a hell of a Final Four game with down to the wire OT, Jalen Suggs. Uh, after after UCLA made a play, UCLA made a play to tie the game. Jalen Suggs has awareness, gets the ball up quick, just past half court, launches one glass, butter. Uh, Gonzaga wins. That obviously led to some talk on various levels about college basketball. Let's start with these draft prospects. Uh, I finally saw you got to dig in, watching a couple of these guys that are highly touted. Uh, I saw you're very big on uh, Mobley and, and, uh, and Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green. So just uh, talk to me about what you think about, you know, those guys' prospects for the league, and then we'll get into the, you know, the, the, the K, at K there as well. But I know you were big on what you were watching uh, from Suggs. It was um, – so Mobley was like the first per, uh, prospect I was watching here and there, and I really liked his activity switching, his athleticism, and his size defensively going from the inside to the perimeter – and his uh, soft touch in the in, in the paint, and he's just is willing to be uh, aggressive. So Mobley was really fun to watch, but the guy I, I did a dive in more of, and I really enjoyed was a it wasn't Suggs, it was Green. Yeah, Jalen Green. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was watching Green and seeing him just be able to finish with both hands so smooth, like it just looks like the game is natural to him. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm not. A guy, I'm not a guy who's nor. No, normally I like. I prefer the Cades more than the Greens, but it's something with Jalen Green and his just his natural feel for the game. He can score with ease. Uh, he's comfortable dribbling in space on, on NBA guys. Very comfortable dribbling. I think that's what impressed me the most because. Now, a lot of people say it's easier to score in the NBA again because of the spacing and whatnot. But when guys normally do so, it's usually because they find a, a trick that works or they find a skill set that works and they spam that a lot. Right. You know, and using utilizing the NBA spacing and they just keep spamming that and they and it's effective due to certain, you know, NBA offensive flow, NBA spacing, NBA rules with the offensive scheme, so it just keeps working. But Jalen Green, what I noticed with him, he has a variety of ways to attack. In terms of his dribble splitting doubles, he can split doubles with ease. He can go left-right with dribbling with the crossover. He can finish left-right. His He can do very smooth step-backs at the three, at the mid-range. Uh, he's not afraid of contact, can finish through contact. Very athletic, very quick, very explosive. Um, for me, the only concern really, because I still I think he can pass. He has a good feel for passing. He has very good touch on the ball. 
uh, especially on his pick and roll, uh, pick and roll passes. So I think he can pass. He just needs to get you know work on his you know read making better reads. My issue with him is just getting NBA body. Yeah, he's very frail. I think he's at 180. So getting that NBA body so he can take the punishment and be available, that's going to be the key for him. Because um, Cade has an NBA body. Cade is very polished right now. Um, gets to a spot, rises up, very good at reading the floor, very great, good passer, um, controls the game, controls the tempo, never feels like he's out of control. When you watch Cade, never feels like he's out of control. Like he always feels like he's in the flow of the game, that he's always understanding what he needs, what shot he needs, what played around. So Cade is just very polished. Um, but I think because he's very polished, I think people think his ceiling is less than guys like Mobley and guys like Jalen Green. It was kind of the th- so I see why people say he's comparable to Luca because Luca had that not to because he was so polished um, that Luca's ceiling was low. I will say that I don't like those Luca comparisons because I feel like Luca had more counters watching his tape. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Package and counters. Then Cade's game isn't really like that. Cade's more uh, since Cade's more of a jump, a better jump shooter. He's definitely more of a. Uh, you know, drive, get to a spot, rise up, and shoot, because he definitely sh- shoots better than Luca ever did coming in. So, uh, Cade's game's more simplified, but effective because he's such a good shooter, and he can shoot from the three, he can shoot from the mid-range, he can score inside. It's much more simple, but it's very effective because he knows how to get to his spots with simple moves, and because he can shoot, and because he can score in, a, in all three levels, he's just a very effective player. So, I think for Cade, it's going to be, can he incorporate the counters, the the movesets that's going to break NBA defenses when they hone in on him and, you know, on his weaknesses? Because he's very polished, but I think NBA defenses are going to challenge him to be able to generate good looks with space taken away from him. Yeah, I think that, that's probably the only, yeah, that, that's the hold I have too. Uh, yeah. I like Kate, but Kate's still my number one. But I understand that, you know, Jalen and Mobley of the top prospects, those are the two, or this is Green, Jalen Green and Mobley, those are like the 1% athletes in the yes. in the top four. Uh, you know, Suggs and Cade, they may be the more polished players at this point, but they don't have yeah, the, the same twitch as those guys. Um, Kate, my number one, uh, I think a 6'8". I wouldn't play him at the point like they're doing at Oklahoma State, but he was the best player. Right. So they put him out there, but I don't think he's a point guard at, at, at the next level. But I think he's that uh, those wings that you kind of build around that uh, you know, not the LeBron. That's that's all LeBron and KD are all time. But you know that 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 Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Devin Booker, like that type of you know two three that you can that you can build your offense around. I think he's he fits in, in that mode eventually. Uh, Let's talk about the guy who hit the shot. So Suggs, a lot of people had him number one. He's in my top three, top four. I don't know about number one because it's, I just think if you got, if there's a chance for you to get a hand on a, on a on an elite wing in today's NBA. I think you got to take it. But just where, mm-hmm. where are you with Suggs on his NBA prospects? I think Suggs going to be a solid pro. I think he's going to be star potential. Um, uh-huh. I don't see. Superstar 
type potential because I just don't see the ex- explosion. Absolutely, same here, same here. From yeah. a physical standpoint, and he's not as skilled as, like I said, a Luca or a Trey Young. You know what I'm saying? With the ball to where he can like, like dominate from a skill standpoint. Yeah, uh, in, in the league, but he's got he's he's definitely going to be a good player because he has good size, he has good fundamentals, he has good decision making, he can shoot, he can drive, he can score, so he's definitely going to be like you know a star player, you know, with somebody like people said Brand the Brandon Roy, um, I, I say also Brandon Roy Drew Holiday type type player. Yeah, like a tier, like a tier two. I thought this, yeah, I don't honestly thought B was on his way to being a tier one guy. Just got hurt. He's on his way to being like a, a top shelf guy. But got hurt, but yeah, that guy like yeah, tier like, two, like like tier two potentially tier one. If yeah. he ever figures out, you know, if he ever figures out, uh, you know, his weaknesses or he ever, you know, develops an uh, an elite skill set that just can't be stopped. Because uh, right now I don't see that with him. Like I don't see a skill set. That like what's has. what's that one thing that he's elite at, right? I I, I just right. think you say, yeah. Like J like Jalen Green, you know, like I said, he's he just has elite physical tools. You know, what I mean, he's Absolutely. super quick, Absolutely. super crafty. <laughs> right. Um, Evan Mo, you know, Mobley's just elite physical tools. Same thing, super aggressive, super athletic. Cade is six eight, and he has a great shot that he can that he can hit. At his size, he can get to a spot and just rise up. Like these guys have elite things that they can just do over and over again. That you can say, yeah, that's going to translate at a high level, and they're going to always have that at their disposable, at their disposal to go to a high level in the league. I just don't see that with Suggs. I see a very good player in the league. I see, like I said, a guy who can make All Star games, but I just don't see that one trait that he has that you can say, yeah, he's going to be a superstar. Because of that, because like Trey Young had the shooting and the handles, right? Luka had the, like Luca had, I said, had the counters and the and, and the handles. Like you just don't see that one skill set with Suggs that you can say, yeah, this guy is going to use this to be a superstar at the next level. Yeah, I, I like that because you you start you know backtracking NBA history, you see the guys that pan out the superstars that y'all had an elite trait about yeah. them that they were able to build upon to become a superstar. They had that one thing they came in. You know, Steph, it was the shooting, right? You know, yeah. it's, you know, LeBron, the passing and the otherworldly athleticism, right? And you just expand yeah. upon that. Driving, yep. Yeah, right, exactly. So I, I I like that track and the thought, like, what's that one thing that's – this is what this guy does, and I, I like that. So Mobley, because, you know, there's been some heat about – not some heat, but just discussion about, you know, taking centers that high right. because of the, 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 the cap on what they can possibly may do because of the way just to how the game is now with the rules and, and the principles. Um Go a little deeper, people. We'll talk about where, where do you think Mobley is going to fit his 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 you know his pocket in the league. Where, where do you think he is? Yeah, I think Evan Mobley, his his ability to be able to switch on the perimeter at such a young age, he can stay on the floor. And he's gonna he's just gonna be able to stay on the floor. Right. Yeah, like he's gonna be able to stay on the floor because he can switch because he has that ability to be athletic and defend and, and guard like a wing, a seven foot as well as to be aggressive, to play inside and, and rebound and block shots, he's going to be able to stay on the floor. And because he's going to be able to stay on the floor, he's going to be able to keep honing in and improving his offensive game. Because that's how, you know, that's how Anthony Davis was able to develop so quickly. When he got in the league, since he was so good defensively, 
he was able to just stay on the floor and right. just kept working. Remember, Anthony Davis didn't come in offensively polished. It was like 14 points again for like 12, 14 points a game, yeah. Yeah, he was still raw, but because he had so much time they would play because he was so good defensively and they just kept letting him play, you know, all the stuff he was working on offensively, he just kept getting better at. Yeah. And kept getting better in game reps. Like one of the problems that Wiseman can't really improve is because he can't stay on the court to keep getting the reps he needs to keep improving and wire and you know to and ingraining in game scenarios into his head. He can't get those minutes because he can't stay on the floor defensively. Yeah, it's real tough. And he, he he's so, playing on a team that's a top five defense, and he just right. sticks out when he plays because he just doesn't know what he's doing yet. Like he's only nineteen, right. so it's, it's, it's not on. He still got time to develop. This is right. expected, but yeah. But Mobley's not going to have those issues defensively, at least from what we see. He's going to come in. He's going to be able to be a defensive uh, – a guy who's going to be able to stand forward defensively. And as a round, he's going to have all the reps he, he needs offensively to keep improving. And he has the skills offensively. He's super aggressive. He's a good finisher. He has nice feet. He has good touch. He just has to put it all together. Right. Uh, so much um, so much potential for the kid. Um, I hope he doesn't hyper focus on offense like Cat did. Cat <laughs> was a two way player, and he got sucked into his, you know, very unique skill set offensively. Now he doesn't want to try defensively. I, also in Minnesota, so different scenario for him. But I, I want Mobley to really take pride in his defense and, and to take the challenge to being a two way star and. Uh, being the two-way big, I want him to be the two-way big that actually stays on the floor. Because <laughs> we don't have, outside of Giannis, who, you know, he doesn't know if he's a big or a wing. We don't have a big man who, A, is healthy enough to stay on the floor, or B, is dominates on both ends. You know what's crazy? I, I, don't, I don't hate, if Minnesota gets the first pick, I don't hate them taking Mobley and putting them next to Cat. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I, I like I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate that. I think that fits. On both ends, to be honest, I also think I think Mobley has a lot of space to go offensively too. I've saw him do some things off the face up that made me kind of raise my eyebrows. Like, hmm, he's got a he's got potential to be something there. Uh, moving on to the other side of it, related to basketball, but we both got into it with a couple people over this. Every mm-hmm. year we have this discussion about the NCAA. Was such and such raised his brand, and he couldn't wouldn't have been able to do this without the NCAA tournament, and it just kind of you know <laughs> grinds my gears. That people think this free labor, uh, the free labor, you know, setup that the NCAA has is is beneficial to the workforce. Uh, my thing is, you can get a signing bonus of baseball, mm-hmm. the pro team that drafts you, still play four years of college. Same thing with tennis and golf. You collect endorsements, bonuses, and then still play in college. Um, just what what are your thoughts on where and I'm, I'm glad that they're finally at this at the Supreme Court trying to possibly getting this you know finally dissolved NCAA having to pay you know once and for all. But what are your thoughts on this those notions that you know people go into NCAA you know helps people build their brand quote unquote and, and make sponsors sponsorship money for the future or does money for the future just so where where are you with that? It just doesn't doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, Green's brand is great, and like somebody said, um, if you're comparing Green to his peers in terms of, you know, visibility, his peers being Mobley, Cade, Suggs. I mean, Green has the most visibility. Green's already on Slam Magazine, being and endorsements. Top of who already has endorsements. 
like people are literally lying to make their points. I think as if Green doesn't have endorsements already, like literally just lying. And then they started bringing up guys like I think Kuminga, who weren't touted as top picks before they went to the G League anyway to make this comparison. And it's funny that they bring them up because it's like Kuminga wasn't a high first round pick. Now he's, he high lotto. now he's a high lottery pick. So, like, you're really taking a guy who the G League helped up his draft stock. So it's like they don't know what argument they want to make. They're just taking a bunch of different arguments and trying to make it sound nice. And the reality is this. The G League, if you're a talented guy and you're already a good high-level draft pick for the NBA coming out of high school, the G League is better because when you get paid, too, you get better training. Yeah, get better training, yeah. better development for the NBA game. Like is B, like BJ Boston. I was just gonna say that he hurt himself so much going to Kentucky instead of doing the G League. If he would have always went to the G League, he would have got paid. He would have had training to develop the, his weak spots in ways that would translate to the NBA. Not having to worry about you know helping Calipari's legacy in Kentucky. Right. You know right. I mean? like, it's like the G League is strictly for these players to develop so that they could go to the NBA. Because the whole point of the G Leagues is being a developmental league. You want to get to the league. There's nothing else about playing for a school, playing for anything. And then the idea that, oh, you get more exposure, that's going to help your draft stock. Like, bro, the G League is the NBA developmental league, bro. Right. They're not going to let you go without. How, how do scouts not know who plays in their own developmental league? Like, what logic is that? What? Yeah, I think the goalposts oh. got moved because you know, we, we were talking about specific one-and-done guys. And they was like, well, what about Curry? I was like, Curry was never one-and-done. He was never he – was, he, was he played three years. And he was like, he's definitely not the tourney. I was like, he averaged 30 and six before the tourney started his last year. Do you, know the fun, you know the funny thing with Curry is that they had a chart on Curry about his projected draft. His actual draft pick – position was worse than the in-season draft, pre-draft things before the tournament. So before the tournament, he was projected to be a higher pick than what he ended up being. And they had a chart that tracked his draft pick projection. Yeah, I think I I saw that, yeah. Yeah, it kept dipping. So it didn't even help him (laughs) because during the season, he was like top five pick. You know, he had that Curry mania. Then as the year went on, it was question marks. Can his game actually translate? Yep. Can, you know what I'm saying? Can, can, can he really play at the NBA level? Because at the end of the day, scouts don't care about what you do in college. They only care about the tools. You know, tools. Do you have, like, yeah, and this is where guys like like John Rivers' philosophy act is, is so, John Rivers' <laughs> philosophy is so great because it works for scouting. Like, literally, can you win one-on-one? Right. Can you have the tools that's going to translate to the game? Like, all that other stuff doesn't matter. Like, do you have what is needed to succeed at the pro level? That's all we care. That's all scouts care about. Do you have those tools that's necessary at NBA level? That dude who hit the game winner for Villanova, nobody knows who that is. Right. <laughs> but we know who Josh Hart is. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, do you have the tools that's going to get you to the next level? Once you get to the next level, you have the brand already. That's what, you know, sponsorships look for. They look for guys who can be pros because they know once you get to the pros, you already have a brand. They don't care what you did in college because, like, they know if you're a player that can get to the pros, you're going to have a brand. 
that's all they care about. Can you make right. the pros? Because then you have the brand already. And I was laughing because, okay, Steph did all that in the tournament, got drafted to the Bay Area, and Nike was still like, uh, we don't think you can sell your own shoe. And then he had to go, had to, go to Under Armour. They, they, they didn't know if he was going to be a good pro. Right. I mean, like I said, but day, are you going to be a good NBA pro? That's all they care about because that's what's going to project whether you can be a good brand or not. Yeah, I saw I saw this tweet like a couple years ago. Still, NCAA national capitalists against athletes, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, ridic- just, it's, it's ridiculous. Every, literally, every person who made an argument for the NCAA that I saw was a white man. See, that's a white dude. <laughs> like literally, every single one. I'm like, bro, are you like what is like what? It's a fetish, man. It's a disturbing <laughs> fetish. Like, what are y'all, y'all, y'all getting off like this? He's not getting paid. Yes, entertain <laughs> exactly. me, entertain literally, me, black man, like, entertain me, black man. <laughs> like, literally, I'm like, bro, you guys are sick. Like, you're the only people that I'm seeing literally defend this right now. I, I'm literally seeing no other group of people defend this. this yeah, what's, what's, what's crazy part? It, it it'll still be wrong Jesus. because they're getting so much money off the endorsements, so it still wouldn't be enough. But the fact they don't let these guys capitalize yeah, on their own likeness, like on their own, mm. like I can't sell a jersey with my name on it and get money from it. I can't do commercials in my free time to get money. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, you can't even let them do that. But on top of that, you get these billions of dollars, billions of TV dollars, and you can't, you know, they, they don't get a penny of it. Like the worst right, thing like is people, like, the, the Zion made Duke basketball like $25 million <laughs> a year he was there. That? <laughs> and you see nothing on the table. Like people are saying that, oh, 500k from Jalen Green is nothing, right? And here's the thing: people were like, they didn't even look at the fact that, like you said, you can't get endorsement money in the NBA. Is anybody asking Jalen Green how much he's getting from endorsements right now? Right. I think, like, he already, I, think he already, he already, I think he already has a shoe deal. He already got the shoe deal. Yeah. Like pe- people are acting like he's just getting the 500k, and that's it as if he's not getting any money coming in from elsewhere because he's not beholden to the NCAA. He can accept any money he wants. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. The, the amount, the ways that they were doing to actually act like the argument had any sense, it was astounding, the lengths that they were going to make it look like they made any sense. Literally bringing up guys who benefited from the G League, like Kuminga, bringing him up like, like he didn't raise his stock millions because he went to the G League. It's just really astounding what they're saying. Right, it was just that, that that was nuts to me, man. You know, I just wanted to end on that note and, and talk about that because I'm really against it. Like, I, I coach, I've helped kids get to the NCAA, and it's like, dude, you got to look out for yourself because after that, they'll use you, and then after that, it's it's a wrap. Anyone who's been in the D1 environment, I walked on first uh, spring semester at San Jose State for football. You know, it's a business. They, t- bro, I, the coaches were telling me, they're telling us. This is a business. Right. <laughs> like, they literally tell you that when you play D1. So I don't know why anybody's acting as if this is some, you know, high school experience where you go to class and then you go to the games. Like, no, bro. Like, coaches is getting paid. Families are eating off that revenue. Like, it's well, a business, man. Hold on. on. Amateurism. With, with money Come getting on, tossed man. around. Heavy money getting tossed around. Anyway, y'all. Hit follow, subscribe on the pod. We appreciate y'all tapping in. Uh, follow It's Kings, bruh, on Twitter. Myself, JJ Maples 55 underscore MST. Uh, you know, Kings, 
ran Ricky G off Twitter with the uh, with the with the rant. You feel me? Ricky G said he's not coming back until the playoffs. <laughs> Did he say that? Because <laughs> yeah. of the because of the NCAA because of the NCAA argument, they said he was they said you he said you canceled him, bro. <laughs> like, I don't even. <laughs> I not cancel him, bro. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we we gonna get Ricky G on, man. We gonna we we got some hope. We we got a couple couple real talk. We got a couple good guests that we could try to line up in the next couple of weeks just to take this podcast even deeper and touch on stuff that you know areas that we not may be as you know as ex has you know have the same expertise as certain guys who do it for a living. So stay tuned for that. Appreciate you guys. Once again, follow, subscribe, follow us both on Twitter, and we are out of here. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.